welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational and entertaining auto detailing podcast, hosted by Marshall Hill of Total Auto Solutions and DJ Patterson of Eco Green Mobile Detailing. Grab a pint and enjoy. Detailers, thank you so much for tuning into another what uh, I think for you is going to be a really great episode. Really excited about what we are in right now in the series on, uh, well, the mental game of detailing. Okay, this goes beyond picking up a paint uh, gauge and seeing, you know, how much clear coat, right? Uh, it goes beyond understanding scrubbing leather to a, a point of, you know, where do you reach between the dye transfer and uh, having to re, uh, retouch up leather, right? This is the game of you, the operator. What goes through your mind? Positive, negative? How does it help? How does it hurt you as the business owner? So super fun series and uh, Really, really excited about also then what's happening over at the Community Pub. So each episode, we usually will jump straight over into the Community Pub. So go every Wednesday night at 7.30 Central. Go to Zoom and use meeting ID 918-800-1188. That's going to Zoom.com and use meeting ID 918-800-1188. Hey, this is Marshall, Total Auto Solutions. I hope to see you there. I'd love to have a beer with you. Welcome to another edition of Helping Young Detailers. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for uh, taking the time, as always, to come on. Uh, we wanted to really dive in uh, this week and kind of more of uh, hey, helping young detailers understand what's going on right now and seeing some things that... Uh, that we're seeing, not only that you and I are talking back and forth with on, but also just some stuff that we are seeing around the country as far as in detailing forums and what's going on. Uh, so sure. let's jump into first, Nick, um, you know, I sent you an article uh, that we're seeing massive disruption in the retail of restaurants as well as in the retail side of just industry in general and of the economy. Uh, you have had previous, uh, times where you were dealt with, uh, uh, you know, well, I'll let you explain, you know, your, your businesses that you've been into, but you've had different run-ins with, well, let's just talk about, uh, you know, what, what it is that you, you've had, right? I don't want to put words in yeah. your mouth, but yeah. you know, I specifically want to address some stuff that we're seeing this. I'll try and put it into a link somewhere, what I sent you, but it specifically was saying, your favorite restaurant in Las Vegas is gone. Yep. And it's a, a whole article about how business owners have had to fight back and forth with almost it looked like in a sense, government officials uh, trying to get their business to be able to be open because they wouldn't be able to survive. And then at the same time of fighting with government officials, they're also having to fight with their landlords. And yep. since we did a little discussion on helping young detailers and trying to understand what it means to deal with landlords, what it means to yep. have a, a space that you rent from somebody, uh, found it uh, interesting that these are starting to really pop up around in different parts of different industries. Before it begins to affect ours, we wanted to hop in and, and, and yep. chat about it. So, man, Nick, what, 
What are your thoughts about the article I sent you? Well, you know, so people understand, Marty. I mean, I want to lay this out. I'm not, I'm not a blowhard just going to talk commercial real estate. I've put my money where my mouth is. I've invested in businesses that have taken massive commercial space. And when I say massive, I mean class A, top of the top commercial real estate over 10, 20, 30,000 square feet. And so you're talking about the most unbelievable real estate you can get in Las Vegas. I've had investments in companies that have dealt with landlords on the biggest level. And I told you a few months ago, what the biggest issue nobody's talking about is what's going to happen in commercial real estate because commercial real estate, for those that don't know, have been a, has been a safe haven for like a hundred years. There's really never been a, an, an issue in commercial real estate on this scale. Now, we've had little dips and we've had 2008 happen and space come available. But, you know, that was a minor dip for commercial real estate. Commercial real estate wasn't down for 10 straight years. It was down for five minutes. And it just started bouncing back immediately because those in the commercial real estate game realize they don't have a lot of personally on the line. And so what people need to realize when they're dealing with landlords is, there is no personal responsibility on the side of the landlord financially. It's in an LLC or it's in a corporation and they don't have to personally guarantee the loans like your mortgage. Your mortgage, you're personally on the hook, right? In a commercial setting, and especially as a landlord, you, you know, all they do is take the property away. You don't normally get sued. You don't normally, you know, have to file BK as a business. They just take your property away. So, from a landlord, it's a free run. You know, hey, I just bought this $20 million property. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. They just get the property back. And there's no nobody that's personally sued. Now, I know somebody's going to try to act like a know-it-all and say that, well, I knew my uncle. Well, your uncle did it wrong. People that do commercial real estate right, they're not really on the hook for anything. And so what happened is it became this safe haven for really wealthy people that essentially develop their net worth. They, they can roll their money into other real estate investments, pay zero tax on it. They can depreciate the asset. They have all of these hidden tricks in commercial real estate. So it's one of the built, biggest wealth generators of the last 50, 75 years in this country. Here's the crazy part though. They've never had to do any deals. We own the property. Marshall, you need the property. You're going to pay what we say. And oh, by the way, we're not going to be responsible for the air conditioning. We're not going to be responsible for this or that. So where we are today, like I told you a few months ago was going to happen, is when they started not getting paid because everyone was closed, this really insane moment was going to develop where they weren't allowed to kick people out, which by the way, is their only trump card. Marty, you don't pay. We're going to kick you out. They don't have any other way of doing business, okay? They don't have a second bullet in the gun. They just threatened to take your, your space away. That's it. Well, when the government stepped in and said, hey, you can't kick anyone out, commercial real estate had no idea how to do business. Because if you have, even if you have somebody that's a 50-year veteran that's leading your company, they've never not been able to kick tenants out. So they've never had to do a deal with you, Marty. <laughs> they've never had to say, well, you know, uh, space is tough right now. Let me do a deal. You know, the way we do, let's say somebody brings you five cars. You're going to say, Hey, we'll give you a discount on polishing. If you do five cars right now, you know, those kind of deal making things we're used to doing. You're used to doing in your business. Uh, detailers are used to making deals in their business. The, the real estate side of commercial real estate, they never do deals. 
They're the least inventive business on the planet. And here's the problem. Now the government's slid out of the way and said, we're allowed to, you know, you can go back to evicting people. So guess what they're going to do? Instead of making a deal that's good for the community, good for them long-term, good for everybody, guess what they're going to do? They're going to kick you out. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the article really is telling you what's going to happen is that your local restaurant, your local sub shop, your local barber, your local everybody is going to get kicked out. If they can't find a way to get current on their rent, these jackass landlords are going to kick you out because they don't want to do a deal, Marty. They have no, no idea what they're doing. And so now where are we? And I think this is where you want to kind of hop in. This is where it gets scary because if mass eviction comes to commercial real estate, it's going to come to everybody. It's going to come to you, to me, to everyone down the line. Well, yeah, I mean, the ripple effect is, is in a sense what I think we should at least have our eyes and ears open about. So if in one town, and the stats on this one was something like 6,000 restaurants with 22,000 plus jobs affected. Now, in, in the scheme of Vegas, is 22,000 jobs. No, 200, 220,000. You're right. That sounds a little bit, yeah. That 15% bit right. of the workforce work in these type of environments uh, in the service industry. They account for about $9.9 billion in sales revenue uh, that the state gets tax on. Uh, this is a massive industry. And, and look, we all know that lifetime bartender. We all know that lifetime waitress or waiter uh, that just love what they do. They make good money. They, they've always made good money. They develop regulars. You know, Vegas is no different. A lot of people look at the strip and think that's Vegas. Okay. If you spend enough time in Vegas, what you'll realize is I haven't been on the strip for business. Like besides for business, I haven't personally been on the strip in over a year. Okay. Unless it's business oriented, I don't go to the strip because it's, Vegas is like a normal town. We have, we have little cities inside of Vegas, you know, just like yeah. you have in Tulsa, you have Broken Arrow and all these other different places that are, that are, that are smaller towns around Tulsa. It's the same here. You know, you have Summerlin and Henderson and all these little subsets of cities around the city. And these are the people that are going to be affected. Your neighborhood restaurant, your neighborhood barber, your neighborhood, everybody is going to take a massive hit here, which by the way, Vegas is not unique here. Uh, I don't want anybody to think it's unique to Vegas. It's going to happen in Tulsa. It's going to happen in Columbus, Ohio. It's going to happen in Seattle, Washington. Uh, matter of fact, I mean, you knew that it was happening in Denver. Uh, true or right. false? Yeah. Uh, you know, you were going to have a training and you realized there was going to be nowhere for you to even have mm-hmm. dinner. Yeah, uh, the second time we tried to do the training. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this isn't a Vegas thing. And I, I think people sometimes want to think Vegas is somehow different. Uh, it's not different, folks. This is going to be a problem that affects all of us. And here's where it really hits home, Marty. We all love going to those places, but we probably have family and friends that work in those type of places. So that unemployment is going to be fairly permanent for a while. Uh, the next part of it is what happens to the financial backing uh, of those massive spaces? Does it start to seize up lending? which means it seizes up lending to other small businesses out of the bank. And all of a sudden you have 2008 over again. 2008 wasn't about the housing crisis. It was about money locked up. Nobody wanted to lend money because that free flowing house money just locked everything up. And if commercial real estate is on a, a billion times more amount of money than the housing market, what happens when that market locks up? 
that's the scary part. Yeah. I, and there's no way for us to know. We just no. always like to make sure that, uh, you know, while it may seem boring to some, it actually is very important to begin to look around and see what's going on in different industries and then to begin to discuss how it might affect our industry. Uh, in the meantime, uh, in our industry, it seems to be a good, a good heartbeat of the industry is found inside the detail forums. So uh, what, uh, <laughs> what, uh, what many times should might be right now a very serious, gloomy, or, you know, hey guys, we should really be starting to talk about some stuff going on in the industry. However, in the detail forums, it's uh, many comments that uh, I find very funny, but actually we learn a very good lesson. So we want to dive into a certain comment that was listed uh, in one of the forums that made a pretty big hit. Uh, yep. And it was, show me a video, tell me the difference between a Walmart coating and one of the big multi-level coatings. You know, that's, that's a bold statement. Uh, and uh, well, what uh, you really find very interesting is the, the dialect going back and forth, education versus non-educated thoughts. Uh, and uh, the same guy that made the post still asking for videos. So, uh, you know, I, I sent you those. You're not a, uh, a group troller like myself. No. I like to hop in, look around, see what's going on. I leave feedback. I leave comments. I try and interact where I could see that I could bring value. Um, one discussion that I had today was talking about uh, how the question was asked, you know, what should I charge for my pricing, right? You know, we've had those yeah. discussions back and forth. My, uh, my comment was, well, a national pricing structure isn't relevant in a sense for a local pricing. Your local market will be the one to determine. And then I had somebody that told me that, no, that's not true. Your, your local market doesn't determine your price, but it's your skill set and your knowledge as a detailer that determines the price. So, you know, it is definitely, I can see where people warn about being in groups and how combative groups can be. And, you know, but at the same time, it, it very much can be some of the heartbeat of, of the discussion going on in our industry. And uh, what are your thoughts then, man? Uh, you know, it's, well, it, you, you send, you send me some cool, is the discussion you, you of ceramics. Cool stuff. Yeah, what? You, you just you sent me some cool stuff, you know, some stuff that made me laugh. But I thought it was an interesting question. And let's go back to the original question. The original question was, do you really think that there's a difference between the Walmart ceramic and the leaders in ceramic and show me the difference, right? Mm -hmm. For those that didn't follow this, and I, I didn't, Marty was updating me on it. There was no proof ever given. That's the most important part of it. Now, hold on. Somebody held up, you know. Uh, there was no proof from a detailer. I think would be what you and I talked about. So a detailer uh, tagged a chemical rep, and the chemical rep provided a, a video of uh, a ceramic being able to bend and said, well, you can't do that with the ceramic spray. Yeah. And, and so, and by the way, I, I know that there's a difference between a solvent delivery system and a water delivery system when it comes to ceramic. So just so everybody's aware, I don't think the two are the same, but let's make something else very clear. Uh, every single major ceramic company has a water delivered spray that they're selling as the next great thing right now anyway. The question becomes, 
is there really any difference between ceramics across the line of, let's call it reputable companies? And the answer is you're going to have different slickness levels. You're going to have different, uh, the way that they frame up on the surface and the, and the, it, do they give you that cartoon level shine or do they give you a more wax-like shine? We realize those are differences. But I think this guy's question was interesting because all of the detailers really couldn't tell you what the differences were. Now, even the rep gave some BS nonsense. He didn't really show you legitimate testing. He just showed like some ceramic bending. That doesn't mean anything. Uh, you know, in the, in the, you know, we all know that ceramics have to be pliable with the surface, otherwise they would crack, uh, and, and just fly off the surface. They have to be pliable with the surface. We get that. I don't know what that proves. Um, but this, I think gets to an industry, an industry problem here. What exactly are we trying to accomplish in these forums when a simple question gets asked and the guy was kind of raked over the coals for the question? and attacked for the question, why should he be attacked? You know, why shouldn't Ceramic Pro and IGL and, and G-Technic and why shouldn't they tell us the difference? Because I've never seen anybody really break down, this is what the difference is. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen somebody break down the chemistry, i.e. I know most of them don't know the chemistry. I, I've never seen it. Now, is that is that something that you think is relevant, Marty, or? Well, I mean, they, they usually put it in all their brochures and flyers, don't they? You know, about. I'm not talking about. Doing a cool little hologram with like the, the little structure. That, isn't that what you're yeah. talking about? No, I'm talking oh. about why, why don't you tell me, hey, we tested so-and-so's product. We reverse engineered it. Here's what's in theirs. Here's what's in ours. Because by the way, that's what goes on in about every other chemical industry that exists. It's amazing how the detailing industry has all these people now that have jumped in that tell you how advanced they are, yet they don't do anything like other chemical companies and other businesses do, which is if you want to differentiate yourself, you usually tell somebody, this is what's in our formula that isn't in theirs. This is why theirs lacks what ours does in XYZ because of this chemical and this makeup and this. We don't really see that type of breakdown. Now, do we see a whole bunch of buzzwords? No question. In the brochures and whatever, we see buzzwords. We don't see something that says, hey, you know, Gion is different in this way from G-Technic and G-Technic is different than IGL. And you couldn't tell. And this guy's question actually proved that because you had a whole bunch of different companies, Ceramic Pro on down, uh, fanboys that were in this group, and none of them could provide any difference. None of them. It is interesting, though, that you could throw that kind of a shot. And I guess the guy's known for just doing that, right? I mean, he likes to to shake up stuff. And I guess he's always been that way, very opinionated. Uh, and it just is interesting, though, how you can stir up the pod very quickly uh, by hitting such a uh, such a comment as comparing these massive companies that, uh, well, but in reality, they're not really that massive. Uh, it's more in perception. Uh, what's been massive is the amount of influence that they've been trying to push an agenda of this $2,500 type price tag that you should know your worth, whereas detailers don't really understand what worth is and have failed to look at actual market dynamics to pick out the right product 
for their market. So while other industries might be collapsing and on the brink of not knowing sure how they're going to be able to survive, we're trying to figure out uh, what the difference between a Walmart brand and a brand that sells for, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars per bottle versus a $14.95 bottle. Well, uh, and, I, and I think here's the thing. So not to interrupt you, but this is what we've been trying to get across. The overarching theme of what we do here is I, I think really summed up in this type of thing in our industry. Concentrating on this really isn't helping anybody. And we got to get detailers off the defensive, I put this coating on, so I'm going to go on a forum and defend them for four hours type of thing. You know, I keep using two words. Let's level up. Okay. Let's move past this. Whatever product you like to apply that works for your business is just fine. I'm not going to sit here and argue Modesta and G-Technic and IGL and CP. I don't care. If it works for your business, great. Why are we on a forum in these groups as an industry talking about such low-level stuff? Because at the end of the day, nobody makes more money because of this. Nobody actually becomes more successful because they pick one brand over the other brand. If you can make money with, you know, let's, let's look at your YWAX product. Your YWAX product for us filled a need that we had, okay? Something simple. I'm not going to go on a forum and argue about YWAX. It yeah. works for my business. What, what does it matter after that point? But it seems like we can't get out of this really small-mindedness. You know what I'm saying? Like, it feels like we can't get out of it. And I don't know if, if those Facebook groups or forums are, are, are good or bad for that. But, I mean, can anybody answer me why we have these small-minded conversations and why we're not asking ourselves, why aren't we taking over XYZ of the auto business? Why aren't we doing, you know, this in, 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 at auctions? Why aren't we uh, this at every Ferrari dealership? I mean, why aren't we having bigger conversation? Is it Marty just because coding companies and chemical companies have just, and tool companies have just brainwashed people to think this is what's important? Or is it just guys aren't really that busy and they sit on the internet all day? I mean, what is it? I, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. And one thing you know about me when you send me this stuff, I'm just curious. Like, how does this guy have the time to have 15 different posts on the same or 20 different posts or 100 different posts on the same stupid question that's been asked literally for the last decade on every, every day for the last decade? And, he's, yeah. and these guys just keep popping up, keep popping up. And, and then they offer trainings magically. And then... It, you know what I mean? Like something doesn't add up to me and I can't understand why our industry can't move past it. Well, it's a, uh, well, as uh, the great Yoda once said, the, uh, <laughs> the clouds of the dark side cover and hide all the truth. Uh, something <laughs> like that. Uh, if you want me to say it in my old Yoda voice, I can. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just curious. I mean, you got, you have to have an opinion. I mean, because here's the deal. You do try to do it differently. So, I mean, you obviously see something different than most people as a chemical provider. You don't go at it the same way as everyone else. And I, I know you may say, oh, well, that's a business philosophy. But, I mean, personally, do you believe in that these conversations are going to change our industry for the better? 
That's a, that's a tough question, Nick. I'm so glad you asked it, right? Uh, <laughs> we cue the real talk uh, discussion. I mean, are they prevalent for our industry where they push our industry forward on an extremely micro, micro, small level? If somebody wants to know their opinion on a polisher versus another polisher, it's great to already have that information. Now, it would be sure. great if it was all categorized, right? I think that was a discussion at one point in time would be cool to go onto a site that had every discussion of different polishers all linked into one yep. folder that you could just go look at every single thing that was ever a discussion on polishers, right? That, yep. that would be handy. Um, but at the end of the day is determining which polisher you use and spending hours and hours on it, the most beneficial for your business. Let me, let me ask it this way, uh, not to you, Nick, but to any listeners that are, are, are paying attention to this that are kind of confused on why we might, might think this way, because of course it'd be beneficial to have all this knowledge out there and for you to spend hours diving through the knowledge so that you can better your business, right? Because picking out the right polisher is so important for how you operate because the, the amount of time that you spend diving into how many rotations the tool has versus another or the amperage versus another or one person's results versus this other person's results. When all along you could have just went ahead and bought the one that you kind of felt most comfortable buying I usually don't get the lowest price and I usually don't get the highest price. I usually kind of dig through and look at some stuff and then go, why am I go kind of medium? That's just normally what yeah. I do. So, you know, when, when I go get shoes, right? When I go buy a car, when I go buy a, well, let's say you wanted to buy a suit because you had a hot date. You know, we don't, people don't right. buy suits anymore. They might've used to, <laughs> let's say you got a job and I mean, I don't know, whatever it yeah, is right. that you want to go buy, do you go and spend hours and hours researching? Some people do, right? Some people do. Or do you generally go through and pick and go, all right, this is good enough and this is good enough. I like kind of these features and pick yeah. out toothpaste. Kind of like this feature, kind of like, but I don't want to spend this. I want to spend this. I want some whitening, but I don't know that I want that, right? But you get to your point pretty quick. You make your purchase and you move on. At least I do. Yeah. If you're the type of person that doesn't, you really got to question then your role as a business owner, because when we waste time as a business owner, well, we don't ever get it back. And we most likely just lost money. Yeah. Time is money as a time, business owner. Right. So not only do we don't get those seconds back because we're, let's just say we're, we're doing our due diligence to the max. Right. right. And I get it. You really want to dive in and get the best I can possibly yeah. get for my business because it's going to answer all the problems to my business by having this really great polisher and I found the right product to go with it, right? Well, it's not always the fact. It really no. is actually probably never the fact. There's so never. many more other things that you could be doing as a business owner than dissecting which tool is better than the other. Just pick yeah. a mid-grade Grab it and go on because your customer is not going to give a fuck what polisher well, you use. Yeah. It's going to determine what your customer cares about based on what you do with the said polisher. So yeah, yeah. it really doesn't matter what all these people think at the end of the day. Matters what should be in your budget, what does just good enough for you to produce the results. 
and make your customers happy because your customers are going to have different needs than somebody else's. So for me, I kind of go, nah, I mean, I can, I can kind of see how it's good for the industry, but all the detailers that are wanting to be business owners do not need to spend a lot of time in there. I have started spending more time simply just to help detailers out and go, yeah. hey man, here's just another way of looking at it because yeah. it seems to be a lot of just one way to think. And so I try and go in and help throwing out different ideas and different ways that people can think about it. For me and my business, I'm investing time in it because, well, our business, it revolves around other detailers. If your yeah. business does not revolve around other detailers, you most likely should spend more of your times in Facebook forums and groups that are in your local area. Maybe it's a buy, sell, and trade. Maybe it's a gun collection. Maybe it's a car spotting, right? Car spotting clubs are very good for detailers to be involved in. You could regularly take pictures of cars, not necessarily that you're working on, but just cool cars that you see, and then just put your number in there with some information, right? Yep. Go in and interact with people when they post cars and tell people, oh, yeah, I cleaned one like that a couple of weeks ago. Here's what I found that was really cool about that car. That would be so much more beneficial to you as a detailer owner if you want to spend time on Facebook in groups. Go spend it in those groups, not in the ones with detailers trying to pick out which polish works better on this, which, you know, this should I do for that. Okay. Well, I always liked Mike Phillips on this. You know, Mike Phillips, you know, he get, he always gets questions about the best polisher and best pads and best compounds, right? He's been the face of, of, of a company for a long time. And I love his answer because we, we brought him up a few weeks ago. And I know you've had him on the other podcast and you've had him on, on uh, Pub Night and all that other stuff. He's like, you know what polisher is the best? The one you spend the most time behind. <laughs> and I think, I just think it's a great answer for young guys. Yeah. Like, buddy, you're just going to be best with whatever you spend the most time holding in your hand and working with. And you're going to be best with the pads you use the most. And you're going to be the best with the compounds you use the most. And it's not to say those things don't matter. Uh, but I, I think to sum up my thought on it, Marty, is at the end of it, you need to pick a, 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 a company you trust. You need to always make sure their quality is, is working for your business. You need to be visually saying, Hey, is, you know, did I get a bad batch? I mean, I told you this, I had to shift, shift some product purchases, uh, on products we used for almost seven years because we started to see batching problems with the manufacturer, right? Not products, tools. Uh, yeah, we had tools, but remember I had the chemical issues. Oh yeah, you did. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I had, I started to see products that we were like, you know, five plus years with, and I kept saying, you know, something's not right. This isn't right. You know, I, I'm going to chalk that up to a bad batch. And then it was a second bad batch. And then they started smelling different and all of these different things happened. So I'm not saying don't pay attention to it. I'm saying don't dwell on it. I found products that work for my business. I stayed with them. I kept my eye on them though. I, I made sure that the quality from that company stayed where I needed it to be. But I see guys in these groups defending brands they don't own a piece of. Like, what do you care if somebody doesn't like Ceramic Pro? If it works for your business, who cares? Like, why are you in there defending Ceramic Pro or defending G-Technic or IGL or or anybody? I can't understand it. You don't own it. You don't own those businesses, okay? Spend time on something you own if you want to be a business owner. I mean, that's rule number one. Don't spend time building someone else's business. And 
you know, I, I think you made a lot of good points, Marty. It's like, why are you in there arguing with other detailers? They're not Do giving you, think, you business. Nick, let me ask you this question. Do you think detailers spend so much time in the forums doing these discussions? Could one of it be, one thing be that they're just legitimately scared to go out and try and do yep. sales? To actually 100%. go do stuff that it's going to push them out of their comfort zone? Maybe go learn how to do actual Facebook marketing, but it's just easier to go into these forums, make some comments and feel like they're working on their business. Yep. I couldn't say it any better. I, I think it's a big fate. And by the way, I think every industry has this. I, I don't think this is detailing only, but let's talk about the detailing world because that's what we're in. This is now, I think, an epidemic in our world. People would rather look and feel busy than actually being busy. And I see a lot of detailers, guys that we you and I know, guys that you and I talk to, guys that we've had on this podcast before, who really love appearing busy, none of which is making them money. I think it's a huge issue, but they love feeling busy. They love going home and telling their family they're really busy. Oh, I worked 60 hours a week last week. Well, they didn't tell them that 30 of it was on the internet talking to other detailers. They just, they just left that part out of the 60 hour work week. So really they worked about 30, 20, 30 hours in their business. And so I think you hit the nail on the head. There's a huge fear of guys going out and selling because you've never talked to somebody who's successful in any business that's on those forums arguing with other people in their industry okay all day every day like we see some of these guys i know people that are going in those groups and providing great information and then getting off of it you know going in and asking a question and then getting their answer and moving on but we have a huge percentage of people that are losing days of their business life in those groups period yeah. There is, there is no, there is no question about that. You can go, and again, defending brands they don't even own, defending things they don't have a piece of, defending brands that aren't paying them. I mean, it's the strangest thing I've ever seen in my life. And, and, and again, this is something you and I have talked about. And, and these, these detailers are going to be in for a rude awakening if things get really bad. Yeah. And that's exactly why, you know, we wanted to bring it up. Why we wanted to have this discussion is, you know, we open the discussion with guys, here's a specific example from a different industry. But then if you've listened to the Pints of Policy podcast last week, John from Ride and Shine specifically mentioned customers that are moving two vehicles down to one. So he's already starting to see a reduction in his customer base. Many other detailers also are seeing it. And so we're starting to say, hey guys, if you're seeing that, how do you as a business owner prep and plan for these tough times that are coming? And we're trying to say, get your ass out of the detailing forums and get out on the streets trying to sell or get into forums that are non-detailing related so that you might be able to survive this coming massive recession because there's a lot of other business owners and many other industries that do not have it as fortunate as you do. So, yeah. Or, or Marty, how about this? Go on Facebook blueprint where they actually teach you everything about advertising on Facebook. True. They'll teach you, yeah. you know, Google teaches a class. You're hell bent on being on Facebook. Great. Go take Facebook blueprint, which is an entire 
you know, suite of classes that they offer you to become certified in becoming a Facebook expert uh, for your business. Not, not, you know, to, to, to put baby pictures up for your family. I'm talking about actual things you can go out and help your business with. I'm not saying those things are a waste. I'm saying what we're seeing is a waste. Facebook can be great. Google is great. YouTube can be great. All those things are great, but being on there just to, to hate on something or scream at the top of your lungs about some brand you like, you know, all day, every day is a bit, is a bit crazy. Be crazy. Nick, uh, thank you so much uh, for your time today. Really appreciate the input. Uh, it's a uh, pivotal time in uh, not only the industry of the United States as we're in the middle of something we've never <laughs> could have yeah. ever possibly imagined, but as detailers then being here at this moment, wanting to figure out and understand how we plan moving ahead Man, we, we couldn't ask for uh, more better help than what you've been giving us and for all the time that you've been giving us. So thank you very much, Nick. Uh, where do people find you on social? Uh, Vegas.rides. Um, you know, if you search Vegas rides on any platform, we're pretty much going to come up. One thing that I want to say is, you know, to put everybody's mind at ease because we're talking about something here where we're just giving opinion. I think our next series, Marty, is really going to be about financials how to run your business from a finance perspective. And so I don't want people to think that I'm just going to be somebody that tells you information and offer no, offers zero help. We are going to dive into that. Uh, we're setting that up now. Uh, I do want people to be better understanding. And this was kind of the first step. You know, there's no reason to be scared if you actually know the information. And uh, that's why we provide it. But Vegas.rides on everything. And, you know, feel free to send an email, nick at vegasrides.com if you want to do it a little bit longer form. All right. That's awesome, man. Nick, hope you have a great week and uh, look too, forward to getting into that uh, new series next week uh, yep. as we continue to help young detailers. So yeah. thanks, man. See you have soon, a great man. day. All right, guys. Detailers, the community needs you. Right now, they need you to go share this episode. If you got any value out of it, and then let people in the group that you share to, let them know what value you got out of this episode so that they also can go learn and grow. Uh, well, not only them as a person, but them as a business and them as an industry, right? If we're all in this together, if we are all a community, how much stronger would we be if when we all got information, we shared the information openly, freely, and discussed it so that we could all feed off of the idea? All right, so go right now, whatever Facebook group you're most prevalent in, and share this episode and let the detailers know why you got value out of it and why they should also go spend time getting value out of the episode. Hey, this is Marshall, Total Auto Solutions. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Ooh.